Tuesday, December 2nd, about four minutes after the hour on this happy Wednesday. I'm Todd Brinker and Aaron will be joining us shortly. Welcome to Back from the Brink. This is our after show for our radio show called On the Brink. It's the morning show on KCAA Radio in San Bernardino. And we hope that you are having a wonderful day as well. Um, stuff going on in the world. You know that uh, monolith that made the news that was up in Utah? Um, there's a guy who was there taking pictures of it. And he's got pictures of four guys showing up with a wheelbarrow and disassembling the thing and taking it down. And so that's what happened is people showed up and took it away. Um, we don't know if they're the same people who showed up and put it there in the first place or just people who wanted to get rid of it. Um, but apparently, he said, there was pretty much a massive uh, migration of people across the desert to go see this thing. Now, he got there with his group of friends in the uh, late evening. So um, he wanted to get a picture of it, of it with the moon above it. And so most of the people were on their way out as they were on their way in. Uh, but there's a lot of people complaining about the people trekking out across the desert and, and the pristine space. And in fact, on his, um, on his uh, uh, Instagram posts, where he put the photos of, they're pretty blurry photos, but he put photos of uh, that he had taken as well. He's got some beautiful photos that he took, but some photos that were um, taken by, uh, of the people taking it down, and those photos are pretty blurry. They look like they were handheld photos taken at night or phone photos taken at night or something. And uh, on his Instagram, he's just getting ripped a new one by a lot of people who are, uh, you know, complaining about, uh, you know, the damage that was being done to the delicate deserts and all the people coming out there. Like, what's so delicate about the desert that we find tomorrow? Hi there. Hello, hello. How are you today? Good. It is a beautiful, crisp morning. Yeah, it is. degrees outside. It is lovely with a little bit of chill in the air. Autumn is here. I like it. I like it. I like it. Yay! Even though we've been up around 80 in the daytime as it, as it peaks. But it uh, doesn't feel like it to me because most of the day is below that. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, and I'm so, inside at work, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stare out at it. Well, my shack yes. has one window, and it's, a, uh, and it's a frosted window, so I can't see out. I can see how much light is outside, and that's about it. Um, but uh, the idea was to keep outside sounds out and inside sounds in, and so uh, I have thick, dense walls and uh, and no windows, or a a window that's a double pane window that's small and uh, and has a shade in front of it most of the time. So so it's it's like a cave so yeah, in here. That's not going to give you a good view. No, it's like a cave <laughs> in here. I have a I have a big monitor in front of me, and I've got uh, I can I can view my my the cameras around my house. I have security cameras, and I can view so I can point one of those you know outside and look at the, and look at that. So I get a virtual view as if I was living in a bomb shelter. So so yeah, you know that big my house as I'm sitting in my in my uh, kitchen at my kitchen table. You know, that's my my office because the office Coben's teaching from the our office, right? Like the house office. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that, and that's what everybody's doing. That's what everybody's doing. My wife's a teacher too, and she's she's sitting at the dining room table, and so when she's talking to students, you know, we have fairly open floor plan, and so 
you know, sitting somewhere else in the house, you hear her talking. So, um, yeah. uh, so as to not disrupt her and do not have to listen to her, I spend a lot of time out here in my shack. Um, but you know, that's all right. I designed it for me, to, for my comfort. It's, it's my happy place. So I'm good. Um, I was looking at the, uh, stories, you know, that, that monolith that showed up out in the desert in, on YouTube is gone. And uh, there's a photographer who went out there at sunset to get pictures of it under the moonlight. And uh, and the um, uh, while he was there, four guys showed up and took it down and disassembled it. And so he has some some, you know, phone photos, fairly blurry phone photos of these guys taking it down. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't placed there by aliens. It was an art installation. Right, it yeah. It got lots of press. Yeah, because, which... Because it's totally random out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you wonder if somebody didn't sort of tip off the the folks that, that you know, passed it off first so that they would, you know, the, the oh, Utah yeah. officials would go, hey, wait a minute, there's this thing out here. Yes. And then the guy who took the photos was catching a lot of flack on Instagram because he was you know, popularizing the spot even more. And there was like large masses of people marching out across the desert and destroying the delicate landscape. And I'm like, have you ever been to a desert? Yeah, it may be delicate, but uh, tomorrow the wind will blow and it'll look just like it did before everybody trekked out there. So Exactly. So unless they're leaving dirty diapers and Pepsi cans out there, it's probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, it's... I mean, it's beautiful. I love the desert landscape, but it's not so delicate as people want to pretend it is. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, pick up your trash. <laughs> but other than that, um, you know, it's it's dirt and scrub brush. But uh, but the rock formations and stuff right behind the installation are cool. I wonder if the guy who took these pictures was not involved with it. You know, he happened to say he went out there with three friends, and yeah. then four guys took this thing down. Well, that means that there was four of them. And the picture that he has, uh, one of the pictures that he has, is somebody standing on top of the monolith with their hands up in the air where the uh, where the moon is, and the shadow on the ground below that is like symmetrical around the thing, so it's tilted so that the full moon was directly above it. And uh, it sounds to me like this was maybe the the artist, you know. Yeah. Now he hasn't fessed up to that, but it it, it sounds like it. Yep. You know, and, gave us something to talk about that wasn't COVID related. So yay. Yeah, yeah. It's like fine, cool. You know, it's uh, <laughs> great. He did say that on when they were trekking out there, and he's got pictures of them that there was just a steady line of cars that had been out to this place. So a lot of people had been out there during the day. He went out there in, as the sun was going down to get pictures of it in the moonlight and uh, uh, or to do some things with um, with uh, you know tricks with long uh exposures in in dark instances and he's got some beautiful photographs of it but uh um yeah so anyway like you said something else to talk about for a change which is not necessarily a bad thing not um, at all not so, at all so spotify has listed the most streamed artists of 2020 guess who was the number one most streamed artist worldwide this year so I looked at that yesterday. Ah. I've never heard of the guy, and I don't even remember what his name is. Bad Bunny. Wait, what? Bad Bunny. He's Bad Bunny. Oh, that's right. Bad Bunny. I'm like, Bad Bunny, Bad? yeah. Bad He's Bunny. Puerto Rican. 
He's in yeah. a uh, he's in a commercial with uh, Snoop Dogg for um, I don't know beer I think or something like that, and uh, Snoop's walking along the beach and a shell starts ringing and he picks up the phone and starts chewing somebody out going man I told you not to call me on my shell phone, and then oh, you I think I've seen that yeah I didn't and. Know that that was- I thought that was just a guy. Yeah, no, is he? No, because he goes, no, 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 it's me, Baboni. <laughs> oh. Wait, I'm doing a terrible Puerto Rican accent, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the way he says it is very unique. You know, I mean, he's Baboni, and uh, bad funny. Yeah, and okay. then Snoop says something like, you know, hey, hey, it, uh, how, how's it going, player? And he goes, no, 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 Playa. And he goes, hey, I'm from Long Beach. I know the Playa. <laughs> You know, so, I, yeah, there's a lot of playing back and forth on their uh, their bo- their language because both of them have a very unique um, uh, delivery, <laughs> and I think it's very uh, intentional and cultivated. But uh, but yeah. So, so I saw this as a little aside. I saw this meme going around on social media that said, you know, besides Morgan Freeman, who would you want to narrate your life? And I thought about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think I've rested on Snoop Dogg. I want Snoop Dogg to narrate my life. Snoop Dogg, huh? <laughs> Have you seen Martin Sheen. I want the president. Oh, there you go. But Martin Sheen. The, the videos of Snoop Dogg narrating the, um, the the wildlife, like one of them was a, it was lizards and snakes. and. Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's absolutely hysterical. It's hysterical. So, yeah, um, he certainly has fun with everything he does. He doesn't, you know, I mean, he does it. He does it straight, seriously, but he does it with his personality, which is interesting. Yes, yes. So it's absolutely delightful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he makes me laugh. So James Earl um, Jones. Oh, James Earl Jones. But that's, see, I thought about that because my first thought was Julie Andrews, right? Oh, uh uh-huh. And so, or Emma Thompson. I don't know why. Yeah, Emma Thompson would be life. good. Yeah. Why, she, while somebody narrating, narrating my life would have to be English, yeah. but both of them. Yeah. Um, have Clint Eastwood. Voices. Oh, there you go. There go you ahead. Go. Make my life. <laughs> yeah. Now, I like um, James Earl Jones. When he did the, when he was in Field of Dreams, Dreams, the character that he played there was excellent because he was like funny and sarcastic, and yet he was James Earl Jones. And so that that guy would be the perfect, like cynical, sarcastic. For me, that would be perfect. Him doing narrating my life as that character. That's uh yeah, that'd be uh, you know, or Darth cool. Vader. Darth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to you know, I, I would want this person to not take themselves too seriously, you know, to be a little self-effacing, like about me because obviously be it'd be their voice but it'd be my perspective um so i would i wouldn't want them i think james earl jones is i'm you know i'm you know mufasa i am yeah you know, he's, he's super important and has this first of all gravitas has, gravitas yes yeah. and i want somebody who is a little more um uh like i said self-effacing Right. Well, that's why I liked James Earl Jones' character from Field of Dreams. Um, I, I don't know if you recall his character there, but he I played don't. this sort of washed-up writer that Kevin Costner's character goes and picks up and brings back to the field. He was like a former sports writer, and he's cynical and mad at the world and just funny as all get out. And and it was like the 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 
that character, I think, um, would be perfect. Awesome. You know, uh, but because he's an actor, you can't just say the guy. You got to say him as a character. You know, as a specific sure. person, and that that makes sense for me. Uh, yeah, it was uh, he plays Terrence Mann, this guy who's uh, a uh, uh, sort of washed up baseball writer, and and he essentially gets kidnapped by uh, Kevin Costner's character and dragged out to this field to. Uh, and and he gets invited to go with them back out into the field, whereas uh, Kevin Costner's character doesn't. So he kind of gets to go to the other side and see what's there uh, oh. as, a, as a writer. Yeah, so it was sort I of sort of a, a movie in ages. Yeah, it was a sub story of it uh, uh, within the main story, and uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time either. I may I may have to watch that this week. You know that uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they were both teenagers when that was filmed, and they were extras in the Fenway Park scenes when he's oh. at, the, at the ball stadium. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, well, both of them are from Boston, so, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and f- the uh, the author actually wrote the Terrence Mann part with James Earl Jones in mind because he thought it'd be fun to see Ray trying to kidnap such a big man. So... <laughs> <laughs> which is like I said, essentially what he does. So it's very cute. Huh. So It's yeah. one of those classic <laughs> movies. You remember the memes, but you kind of forget the actual movie, <laughs> you know, and you go like, Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. So Tobin and I last night watched, uh, the new Mitch album movie. Um, uh, just have faith or keep the faith or something. Faith eat a pickle um, and faith will save you. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, no. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that one hasn't been released yet. Shh, hush, hush, hush. <laughs> anyway, it was on. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's excellent. And so Tobin is a big fan of Mitch Album, and um, uh, and so you know he he definitely wanted he he bought it, and uh, keeping the faith or keep the faith or just have a little faith. faith. Have a little faith. That's it. I'm sorry. I was driving. So it aired November 21st on Hallmark Hall of Fame television movie. That's what it says in ah, 2011. Well, okay. So that's that maybe isn't the most recent one. I'm looking, but that was yeah. That's uh, you know, well, maybe it, it's just new to you. It, I don't know. Okay. Yes, it is. It's got uh, Bradley Whitford in it and Lawrence Fishburne, and Lawrence Fishburne's son. Um, uh, is uh, Langston Fishburne is in it, and uh, it's an excellent movie. We really enjoyed it. Langston, that's an interesting yes. name. I kind of like it. Well, he Langston. I, I'm sure name for Langston. Uh, Langston Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Keep, Film keep adaptation. Keep Mitch album. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne plays Henry Covington. It was the Hallmark Hall of Fame. Was released in 2011. Okay, whatever. It's new on. Um, it's on Netflix, on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. They, okay. They made cool. a big deal about it being like a premiere on Amazon Prime. Oh, so. okay. Well, I, I was just trying to learn a little bit about. It, so I was, I was going and doing the Google thing, you know, or the Wikipedia thing. So that's, I mean, I'm not like knocking it. I'm just saying it's like, um, uh, you know, and it may not have been. It may have premiered on ABC's, you know, Thanksgiving weekend and never to be seen again until now. So, so maybe it is a big thing, you know. Um, and anyway, you liked it. 
it was excellent. It was excellent, excellent, excellent. And so, you know, Mitch mm-hmm. Album wrote uh, Tuesdays with Maury, which was right. absolutely amazing as well. And he's written other things. And um, this uh, Have a Little Faith is a true story. Um, and it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is. So I, I highly recommend it if you've got Amazon Prime. Um, I think you can probably watch it on, on um, some other platforms as well. Like maybe Sling or one of yeah, it was originally an ABC um, thing, so they might um, they might I think ABC puts a lot of their stuff on Hulu as well as ABC dot com, so you might be able to find it in one of those places. But uh... so Martin Landau was in it. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, of course, he passed away in twenty seventeen. Um, uh, he played a rabbi, and um, uh, it was just it's just a good. I don't want to give anything away. It's just really good, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Bradley Whitford anyway. I am too. Played, played the lead character. He's uh, a very likable guy. He is, and so I did some research, and um, he went to Juilliard, um, which explains why he's such a phenomenal actor. Uh, yeah, he's been trained. Imagine that. I know, right? Well, but a lot of a lot of American actors haven't been. Yeah. Go to the UK, and they their their actors are trained. Ours are they're cute, and they show up in LA, and they meet the right people, and they're hired. And some of them can't act to save their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and that's why the whole um, the uh, method acting became a thing. Because it's like, you haven't been trained in doing anything, so just pretend you're that person. Go completely into being that person. And that's how you can then do it without actually having been trained to act. I always yes. used to love the quote um, when uh, in the filming of um, uh, Marathon Man, Dustin Hoffman is famously a... Um, uh, a method actor, right? So he he gets into his role, and to, you know if he's supposed to be doing somebody with a a, a horse or old voice, like uh, when he was playing in um, uh, Little Big Man, he was playing a hundred and sixteen year old man, and so he went and screamed in a room till his voice got hoarse, and then he played the scene, so his voice was hoarse. And anyway, he was doing uh, you know he was totally into his character when he was doing Marathon Man, which is a spy movie, and. Uh, and in one scene, he's he's being tortured by Lawrence Olivier's character by having uh, holes drilled into his teeth without any numbing. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. And the, he, the, Kristen Setzel is the character Olivier plays, and he's this former Nazi war criminal, right? Or this not, I guess not former, I mean, you're a Nazi war criminal. Anyway, he's torturing him. And, uh, and you know, Olivier's watching him go through all this work to, to get ready and, and get into the character, and he's famously quoted as saying, "My God, man, why don't you just act? <laughs> You're an actor. Just act. You don't have to put your you don't have to put yourself through all this pain to 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 be able to act like somebody's drilling a hole in your teeth. Act like it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which I I love that. You know, <laughs> it's like I, I don't get you. Why why are you doing this? That's right. it, it seems really painful. <laughs> yeah, you know." But, uh, you know, huge difference there in age between the two as well. But uh, And two incredibly great actors at what they do, right? So. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. I. Um, uh, so it's definitely worth your time. Go watch it. It's it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, have a little faith. And, and it's not, it doesn't, you know, um, Mitch Album, of course, is, is Jewish. And he actually marries a Methodist woman. So not in the movie he, that Mitch Albom's actually married to a Methodist and this is his story right this is this these things happen to Mitch Albom in his life 
and it, it involves um, a pastor in Detroit and and his rabbi that he grew up with in um, New Jersey. And that's all I'm going to say. It's excellent. Sounds good. Sounds good. I recently uh, rewatched um, uh, both the original and the sequel to Blade Runner. Oh, what do you think? And uh, I enjoyed them immensely. Um, I've always liked the original, and I watched the ultimate cut. Now, you've got to be careful when you're watching Blade Runner because there's like four, (laughs) four or five different edits of that movie um, because the director was famously not sure what he wanted to do. And so he kept reworking it and reworking it. And, uh, but How I, much farther over budget did he go? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, Ridley Scott, it's sort of been one of those lifelong things. Every so often he sits down and re-edits the movie and adds scenes because he's got scenes that he shot that never were in the movie and, and things that were in the movie that he didn't like and took back out. And the studio famously made him cut it down initially in order to get it to the the size they wanted to market and so he did a director's cut and then he went back and did a a, a final cut i mean he's just one of those it's one of those things that he just keeps noodling on you know and so uh and it changes it i mean some of it changes it fairly significantly um but uh i also and i know some people were critical of it i really liked the sequel the uh blade runner 2042 and enjoyed that uh immensely and so um um, you know, uh, that, that was, uh, they're, they're good movies. They're really good movies, but they're, they're, they're very cinematic. So it's like, if you're going to watch them for, at least for me, I don't want to watch them like I would watch a TV show. I want to, you know, dim the lights, s- sit as close to my big screen as I can to make it get, feel like theater. Um, you know, get the best sound I can out of it. If I've got, you know, if you've got a, a sound system for your, uh, um, um, uh, for your television and just and, and really immerse yourself in it and focus on it. Whereas, generally speaking, when the television's on, I'm usually reading something and sort of half paying attention to what's um, what's going on, you know. Yep. And so um, it's it's I, a little different. I actually don't know that I've ever watched Blade Runner. It's um, it's kind of violent, isn't it? Um, it is because the Blade Runner, what a Blade Runner is a title, it's a job. And what a Blade Runner does is this is set in a, in a fantastical future, oddly way out in, you know, 2021. Um, and, um, and in this, in this future, there are, um, uh, basically androids and the androids are built with a, you know, they're, they're created with a start date or they have a, you know, initialization date and they have a limited lifespan, five years or whatever, but they don't know what it is. It's not like it's marked. And you, it's very difficult to tell them from a human. They look like humans. Um, they're biological machines. And so there's a series of tests that the Blade Runner can do by asking questions and looking at their heart rate and their, their, uh, their pupil uh, constriction to tell whether or not they are indeed a, uh, an Android and a blade runner's job. Androids, by the way, are illegal on earth. They were created for use out in space, but some of them have gotten back to earth. The blade runner hunts them down and, uh, retires them. And so, yes, there it's, it's sort of his job is to hunt them down. And so there is that violent aspect to what's going on in the movie. Um, it's based on a Philip K. Dick novel called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And the whole premise of the movie is 
Uh, and it's very it's very Android-centric in a lot of ways because the premise of the movie is what is it to be human? What is it to be alive? You know, if you're a biological human that has been created, you know, do you not have a soul? Do you not have, uh, you know, can you, you what, what, you know, are, are, you, are you treated differently and why should you be treated differently? And, and is it ethical to create these, these artificial humans and, and then to give them, you know, such random short lives, like four or five years, you know, why, why would they just suddenly shut down and die? Um, but you know, it's as random as if you were born, right? We don't all know when we're going to shut down and die. Um, I don't know. It's just, it, it poses a lot of questions, doesn't necessarily provide answers, but it's, um, uh, it's a exploration of humanity through science fiction, actually. So it's, it's quite good. So, huh, and, no, and we don't know when we're going to die. Right. I mean, and, right. I mean, we don't know. We don't know, and that's sort of the point of this: is you know how how different are we from them? You know, um, they don't know either. You know, and all they're trying to do is figure out why they're here and why why you know who they're you know they they face their creator, um, and it's just it's it's very well done, and it's one of uh, Harrison Ford's early early movies. Rutger Hauer plays a phenomenal character in the original one, um, uh, who's one of the androids who's. Uh, angry at his lot in life and trying to, you know, understand why he's here and why he has to die at some point and, and, uh, you know, asking the questions that people ask, you know, it was, it's very interesting. Hey, on the Christmas front, have you watched any Christmas movies? No, not really. I watched last Christmas last night and it's quite nice. It's a cute little movie. It came out last year, 2019. What, what's it about? Besides and Christmas? Yeah, it's it's about Christmas. Um, it's about young lady who um, uh, works in a like go nowhere job in a Christmas store as an elf, uh, and you find out that uh, she previously had had her heart uh, replaced. She had a heart donor, and and she got somebody's heart. And after that happened, her personality kind of changed. She kind of. Uh, was giving up on life and didn't feel right. She felt like the heart didn't belong in her. She was having this weird, like, psychological reaction to having somebody else's body parts in her and and struggling with that. And she meets this guy who, um, you know, kind of shows her that there's more to life than just you, that, you, you know, it's not just your troubles. There's other people that have issues, too, and that you can you can have positive effects on their life. And so he kind of walks her through that. And it's got a nice little twist. And so it's it's just it's it, it's a very endearing little holiday tale. And I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, Emily, uh, Amelia um, Clark from. Um, oh, I love her. Yes, she's the lead. And I don't know the name, the actor um, in Crazy Rich Asians. He's the the uh, guy that she's going to marry. Um, the, I've actually uh, not seen that movie. Oh, okay. I know, That's it's a, the only one. It's surprisingly good, too. Talk about movies that are good. Um, I went into that with very low expectations. You know, when, when we could go back to theaters and I was doing uh, movie reviews, I went and saw it in the theater. And, uh, you know, and what I would I would look at like movies that are being released and say, well, which ones are the the bigger ones that are being released? And I'd go to them whether I thought I was going to like them or not, because you know I can't just go to the movies I like and give everything four stars, right? right. So uh, I went to this movie thinking, eh, it's going to be, you know, I, I I I don't think I'm the audience for this movie. It was wonderful. Crazy Rich Asians is funny and sweet, and I liked it a lot. But anyway. Um, uh, I should probably find the name of this poor actor so that I can actually give him credit for who it is. But, um, uh, last Christmas was, uh, 
a surprise. I really enjoyed the um, the movie. It was actually written um, by uh, George Michael or Wham, that song, Last Christmas. Uh, it was written based on that song, and they used the song in the... Uh, in the movie because it was, that it last was Christmas you gave me your heart and right. On the very yeah. Next day I gave it away. That song. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah. And so it's, uh, it's very cute. Henry Golding is the actor that I was trying to think of. And, uh, and he is, uh, first thing I'd seen him in, I mean, I, I may have, I, but the first thing I really recognized him in was crazy rich Asians, but, um, um, he's done other things and he's really good. He's, uh, um, uh, he's Malaysian, uh, British Malaysian, and he speaks with this fantastic British accent, which I, I'm envious of. You know, uh, I don't know why we we all uh, us Americans tend to to like that, but uh, um, it just sounds so much more refined. It does. It sounds like you know you you know things that we don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't exactly. know. I don't know what the reason is, but that's sort of the sense. But uh, so uh, anyway, he's quite good, and uh, and as is Miss Clark and. Um, uh, Amelia Clark and uh, oh Michelle Yeoh is in it and so is Emma Thompson she's also um, uh, who wrote the screenplay with somebody and uh, and was a producer so um, and and there she's one of those people almost everything Emma Thompson's involved with I find I end up liking somehow um, she's very likable yeah but I mean even if she's involved with it as a producer she seems to just right. have sensibilities that match up to mine um, although usually when she's involved in something she'll take a small role in it as well which is interesting you know so like she plays this weird russian mother of of uh of amelia clark and uh it's like not what you would expect to see her in but it's 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 funny so yeah last christmas that's on hbo max right now by the way maybe other places as well but you can find it on hbo max for those who have hbo max Ah, well um there was a, a a movie, and I'm I'm um, oh my goodness, I've forgotten the name of it. It is um, Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson, uh, Mally, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and um, she, they, uh, Emma Thompson is a writer who's got terrible writer's block, and she's writing the story, and and Maggie Gyllenhaal and um, uh, Will Ferrell are the characters in the story, or two of the characters in the story that she's writing, and so um, maybe it's called "Stranger Than Fiction" Stranger is the name of the fiction. movie. Yeah, that's, that's it. it's yeah. that's it's, it's, it's adorable. It is. It's actually one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies because he plays it so straight. He's not so over the top as he is in a lot of his things. He's not streaking, and he didn't yeah. get naked. And yet, it's yet the character he plays is so absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yes, and even though he's, he's to me he's clearly on the spectrum, um, like uh, autism spectrum, uh-huh. um, and and he's so likable and he's so relatable. Yeah, and people who are on the spectrum not aren't always likable and relatable, obviously. Yeah, um, um, uh, because it's there, you know, social cues are harder for people who are on the spectrum, right? So yeah, uh, uh, but his character, you just you just fall in love with him. Yeah, yeah. The premise of the movie is basically she's a novelist, and who, her latest character is a real person who hears her narration in his head. So Will Ferrell's walking around, and he starts hearing this voice, and it's Emma Thompson sort of talking about him. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, 
Yeah. He's like, what? What? <laughs> so he thinks he's going crazy because uh, he's got this, this woman's voice in his head because she's basically writing the story of his life. You yes, know? she is. She is. And yeah. he's an IRS auditor. That's his job. Yes. <laughs> yes. Serious kind of guy who thinks he's losing it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 it really is. It's uh, and it's it's not the story that you know. It's like oh oh another another story where hey two people meet. There's a misunderstanding and they get angry at each other and then they resolve the misunderstanding and everybody's happy at the end. Movie, which is essentially every Hallmark movie ever made. Exactly, exactly. You know, you would know. I would absolutely know since my wife is absolutely addicted to them. She is a Hallmark junkie. Because they're happy. I know. I need to ha- she needs an intervention is what she needs. <laughs> we need the family to all get together except that we can't get together because, you know, COVID. So <laughs> I will do a uh, uh a Zoom meeting and and invite her in and go, "Elaine, we need to sp- we need to talk." So is a Zoom intervention effective? Hmm. I don't know, but at least it'd be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. So I yeah. actually, I don't, it's a channel that I never, ever watch. Hallmark Channel, never, ever watch it. And it's not because I'm like consciously avoiding it. I just don't watch it. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's just not my thing. It's not my jam. Yeah. And I, I, it's on, so I, I watch it, and I've seen the same, you know, five actors play 47 different roles in the same essential movie over and over again. Um, and you're you know, okay with that. And some, some of them are actually kind of cute, but a lot of them, you start watching it, and you go, oh, yeah, 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 I, I get This is the plot from, and then insert, you know, uh, romantic comedy movie. Because they basically, you know, rewrite and steal the plot and change the the he to a she and 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 just kind of you know i mean when you're when you're cranking out 147 christmas movies a year um you don't always have fresh ideas (laughs) and so and so they steal ideas from movies you've seen before um have you ever seen the movie with nicholas cage where he he gets a glimpse of what his life would be had he stayed with his girlfriend at christmas um you know he's a uh, high-powered business guy and Taya Leone is, ends up being his wife and so he gets he kind of uh, ends up going back and starting to live a little bit of that life and then he's brought forward and you know it's um, no. it's a it's a very cute movie and you can watch it in three different versions on the Hallmark channel called something else but uh, <laughs> yeah um, it's uh, you know it's, it's, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie now here. Um, Family Man. It's called The Family Man. And it's um, Nicolas Cage, Taylioni, Jeremy Piven plays a neighbor. Don Cheadle plays the angel, which is awesome. He's in the movie I for like two spits of a second, but he is hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, I, that's another one. There, you know, there are certain people, I have found that I'm more interested in certain actors and certain directors and if they're involved, then I want to watch it. And Don Cheadle is one of them. You know, if he's in it, I'll watch it. Um, I just, he's, he, he, he doesn't do bad work. And so even if he's playing, you know, Iron Man's sidekick, he makes the movie better. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, indeed. 
Indeed. Yeah. So, Robert Downey has a little role in this, too, by the way. Oh. Yeah. So, um, not Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Sr. Like, I don't I don't even know who that is. I mean, I know that there's a senior, yeah. obviously, because there's a junior, but I'm going to Google him because I can't remember. Yeah, he's an American like. actor, director, producer, writer, and cinematographer, and father of his namesake, actor Robert Downey Jr., He's known for writing and directing the underground film Putney Swope, a satire on the New York Madison Avenue advertising world. Oh. Mm-hmm. Amongst right. other I've things. I've never seen that movie. Yeah, amongst yeah, other I things. I just pulled up a picture of him and I do not recognize him at all. Yeah, well, he's been acting in movies since 1953 and, he's, and he retired. Um, he did play the judge in Tower Heist. Um, which was the Ben Stiller, Eddie Murphy movie that was out ah. um, about 10 years ago. But uh, he is now retired, so. Um, so uh, there's a there's been a victory on the cannabis front. I didn't know there was a battle going on on the cannabis front. Well, if you, What's were, the victory? If you were a cannabis activist, you would know. So a U.N. committee has taken cannabis for medical use off of the list of the most dangerous drugs. So, you know, mm-hmm. this apparently was a 27 to 25 vote. Um, Ukraine abstained. And the 53 member states of the UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs, mm-hmm. they voted to take cannabis out of the Schedule Four portion of the 1961 Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs. So this so, means that, that international... Uh, sales and transportation of the drug are no longer considered, um, uh, at least on the international front, as a uh, major issue. Is that what? Yes. That, is, does it yeah. so boil down to that? That's where all the most lethal drugs are: heroin and fentanyl and cocaine and right. meth and all of those things are Schedule One drugs, and they've right. taken cannabis off of marijuana off of that list. So mm-hmm. I guess it, you know they're not just fines are. I guess it paves the way for the countries to start legalizing it because more and more countries are legalizing it. Right. Well, and I think that, you know, the, the cannabis activists and, and people who, who partake of cannabis have long said, you know, yeah, it's a drug, but it's, it's, you know, it, uh, it, the, the detrimental health aspects of it are, are probably less than that of alcohol, which is legal essentially everywhere. Um, and there's no reason for it to be on the same list as, as heroin. You know, um, so, you know, I mean, uh, there's those who are against it have also said, but, you know, nonetheless, do we need another intoxicant out there that people can now be uh, under the influence of, you know? Yeah. And the argument to that is that they already are. Yeah. Do we want the cartels running that or do we want it to be above board? Right. Yeah. And and as it becomes more and more above board, you get uh, the... Um, the ability to say, well, we can, we're going to regulate and measure how strong it is so that you know what you're getting. Right. Right. As opposed to, uh, who knows, this is what the guy says, you know, some dude behind the counter said, Hey, it's a good high, uh, (laughs) you know, all right. (laughs) You know, I mean, and that, I mean, I, I say it that way, but that's essentially where they're at. I mean, it's like, you know, some guy on the corner now they're, and now they're in dispensaries, at least in a lot of States, so at least now it's instead of the guy on the corner telling you it's a good high, now the guy behind the counter says it, 
you know, and you're less likely to have it like laced or tainted with something else in it. Right. I mean, because exactly. it's being sold, uh, you know, in a, in an actual shop as opposed to a, uh, you know, dude behind the Seven Eleven. Um, so, um, needless to say, cannabis, um, uh, stocks in places where, you know, you're allowed to buy stocks for a cannabis company. Um, so I think you can in Canada, those stocks are spiking. So get on the ground floor. It's publicly mm-hmm. traded weed companies. Yeah, so Canada, Canada, uh, the they have been publicly traded for a while, and I know um, they've been making the news because they've been actually pretty good returns on investment for some of them. Um, like anything, when there's tons of startups, though, beware. We are not licensed financial advisors. Do not take our advice uh, as as uh, as serious investment information. Do your research and and talk to your right. advisors. We, we are just two random schmoes talking about cannabis. Yeah, stuff. stuff, stuff, you know, I mean, <laughs> I click the stocks app and go, hey, Apple's down today. Is that good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> Depends on if you're buying or selling, which I don't know. <laughs> you know, Yeah. Don't, don't ask me. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you so be, be forewarned. Fair. If you take your if you take your stock advice from us, you're in trouble. Exactly. So don't take your stock advice from us. Yes, Because we don't know what we're talking about. Please. So with that, it is time. We're at the end of our, our podcast. For we got to wrap it up today. <laughs> so uh, have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back on Thursday tomorrow. Um, be safe out there. Wear your mask in public and live your life to the fullest. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.